Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age. So parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. So if you've got kids in high school or are approaching that age, today's episode is especially for you. And also, if you want to look at the future of education happening right now, I encourage you to keep listening because my guest, Indra Sofian, he's the co-founder of Sora Schools, which is a live virtual project-based high school where students explore their interests and future careers. But I got to say, that's really an understatement, actually, because let me explain. Imagine a school where kids, they get mentored in projects of their own choosing, like building a rocket with the support of a SpaceX engineer. And then the learning objectives are achieved through that rocket project, get evaluated and translated into an acceptable transcript for university, where every student primary focus is to help them discover and develop their passions and then turn that into an exciting career choice. Does that sound like a school you know? Not too many out there like that, to be honest. And I got to say, this is my second time talking to Indra. And, you know, to me, Sora Schools is really trailblazing the future of education in the, in the secondary space. Now, a little bit about Indra. His, his journey to reimagine high school education began when he was in college at Georgia Tech, where he started his first business, Elevate Media, which was producing videos and content for companies like Coca-Cola, State Bank and Trust. And he was also very active leading the student entrepreneurship community at Georgia Tech. He became a venture partner at Contrary Capital. And through all of this exciting exploration outside of school, he started to realize that he was learning far more from his business and other involvements than he was sitting in a class. And that spurred him to start researching educational models. And then I guess a couple of years now, well, no, last year, right? Founded Sora Schools with, with uh, his co-founders, Wesley Samples and Garrett Smiley. So Indra, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I wish it started uh, back in fall 2019. We've been working on it, Sora, for I think at least a couple of years now. I lose track of time, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, so full disclosure here. So this is my second time interviewing Indra. Uh, I had you on my previous podcast, which was exclusively focused on education. So I was pulling a bit from my, my previous notes. So yeah, time does fly. It's been, been a couple of years now. How, how are you doing right now, personally? Yeah, I mean, frankly speaking, with all that's going on in the world right now, from the riots in, in the capital and pandemic still going on, and like it's, it's definitely been a very sort of stressful like, time of my life and also stressful year in general. You know, it's also odd because, and I feel slightly guilty for this, but like things have also been going really well at Sora. And we've been growing and I've been learning. And then also personally, it's also been kind of tough, you know, to see everything going on in the world right now. So it's a very uh, weird mix, I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand. And, and the one thing that, that encourages me and just what you're doing with, with Sora is you go through 
a lot of these challenges is, you know, you're doing something that's addressing all the stuff that's going on in the world. That's so important, creating that, that space. So kudos to you and your team. And how is Sora doing as you're, you've launched into kind of year two? Where's Sora at? Yeah. So uh, just to give some context, right? Like we started Sora or started working on Sora all the way back in the beginning of 2018. Um, it, back then, it was just, it was not even an idea. We were just, you know, the three of us, my three co-founders, all students now graduates from Georgia Tech. We were just looking into just different sort of problems in education, you know, for, uh, reflect, you know, based on our own sort of experiences. You know, we eventually focused on high school. And then, you know, after talking to hundreds of uh, people, teachers, school founders, education experts, like we eventually decided to start Sora. So in the fall of 2019, when we officially opened our doors virtually, uh, we uh, started off with just seven students. Now we've grown to, well, I guess I have to update the number again. In the fall, we were about 40 students. Now we're about 50 students currently at Sora. And so we've grown tremendously in just like basically a year and a half's time. And the team itself has grown too, as we've like, as the school has expanded, we've, you know, grown the team on the faculty side, uh, adding more of our learning experts and counselors and, you know, guides. And then on, of course, on also on the administrative side, so marketing engineering. So it's uh, been a tremendously uh, sort of, I guess, uh, accelerated year, I guess, for Sora. Yeah. Well, clearly you're, you're meeting a need, right? Because the, the, the demand is there and, and the interest from investors is there. So yeah. As difficult as this time is, perhaps in many ways, it's the right timing for, for Sora in, in many ways. So, so we're going to dive in in our interview today and really kind of pick apart all the different elements of Sora and kind of what, what, makes, it, what makes it work and, and what, you know, how it could be um, a really great option for, for students out there who are looking for something better than, than what they've got right now for their, their kids. So first, just curiosity question, um, Sora, it's, it's kind of a unique name. Where, where did that come from? Yeah, believe it or not, we get asked this uh, quite often. Sora, you know, a lot of people think that Sora stands for something like it's an acronym. Um, actually, it doesn't uh, really stand for anything. Uh, you know, it's we uh, we came up with the name Sora because we were looking for sort of different symbols for what Sora for what Sora could, well, basically what the name of the school could be. So we wanted the name to symbolize, you know, embody our educational values and like our whole philosophy. And so we came upon this idea of basically naming it after like a bird. So we, you know, we like the image imagery of a bird, right? Like freedom, you know, limitlessness, independence, like it just, you know, made sense with everything we do at Sora. So we literally spent uh, in the summer of 2018, we just Googled a list of birds. Like uh, strangely enough, Wikipedia is not a very extensive uh, <laughs> list of birds, uh, but we found some other random bird site made by some enthusiasts. Uh, so we just kept scrolling through until we found a name that just kind of clicked. And for Sora, you know, for everyone, in case you don't know, Sora is basically a species of a small to medium-sized rail in uh, Northern America. It is the second most common bird, and it is very average-looking. Uh, it doesn't stand out at all. It's like literally this small, like this less than the size of my hand. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some, sometimes the you know the crazy ideas come from random places. So. Yeah, no, I love the name. I also think about like soaring, you know, like a bird out there in the sky. We also get that a lot as well. Uh, we <laughs> lean into it in some of our marketing and animation as well. The soar, you know, soaring at Sora, soar to Sora. So, yeah, yeah, we're, you know? yeah, go with it. <laughs> so explain a bit more about how Sora works. I mean, I explained a little bit in the, the introduction because we've had a conversation before. So I had, had some a, a greater sense. And actually, full disclosure for everyone, 
I, I seriously looked at my son Graham attending Sora, and you know, there's it didn't didn't end up going that that path, but um, very really love your 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 model and approach. So let's break it apart a little bit and explain to our, our listeners, you know, what does a day in Sora look like? Sure, Sora, you know, is very of course different from a traditional high school in in a lot of areas, like you know, our non-traditional curriculum, as we you know, probably say all over our website, is really designed around your students' interests and their learning style. So, you know, different than, I'd say, a traditional school, we really get students' agency and responsibility in their learning. And ultimately, that means that they're much more engaged in traditional programs. Like, students at Sora can literally decide what they want to study, how they learn a subject, what format, and, you know, in which they demonstrate their knowledge. And so, Ultimately, all that is a service. Like we help students explore their interests, and once they've sort of narrowed in on a field of interest or an area they want to dive deep on, or a career that they're particularly interested in, or a field of study they want to go into, then we help students accelerate towards their learning goals. Maybe just to break that apart for for a little bit. So, so you talk about about agency and responsibility. So, when when a student starts, and okay, now we're going to figure out what we're going to learn. Is is it? Totally everything, like is the student kind of picking everything they want in terms of like topics in that? Or what does that look like? So, yeah. And there's two main formats in which students sort of learn at Sora. There's independent projects and then there's learning expeditions. So with the independent projects, like students work on projects in their areas of interest that they create and scope with the help of our faculty. And like I said, when I say the students can choose kind of what they want to learn, I really mean that. Like a student could be coding a video game. They could be writing a fantasy novel. They could conduct scientific research on plants. You know, they they could really be a wide variety of things because people are very, uh, are interested in a variety of things. And so through these projects, they get to not only explore like what they're genuinely genuinely curious about or interested in, but that's how we also bake in like math, science, English, history, academic standards, like all the traditional academic subjects you find in a traditional high school curriculum. And so when a student basically decides like, I want to work on a project, like I have some ideas, they basically create like a project plan with the help of our faculty. You know, they scope out. So like, this is the sort of guiding question or the goal of the project, basically. Like, this is the thing I want to learn or figure out or solve or build. And then from there, they start working out the project sort of sequence, like the plan. Like, okay, here are the steps I'm going to take, you know, in a general project cycle, which for us lasts about four weeks or a month. Like, here's how I'm going to progress. And also, like, these are the standards that are going to get covered. Like, if I'm building a rocket, obviously I'll learn these, you know, and there's like a huge bank of like academic standards we have on like the back end of Sora. Like I'm going to learn these standards from physics. I'm going to learn these standards from, you know, pre-calculus uh, and so forth and so forth. And then from there, like, it's just a matter of like doing the project. You know, they meet with faculty, they meet with even other students, you know, for accountability to sort of sort of scaffold their learning, so to speak. And at the end, they present their project. What made you choose that that model? What makes you feel like this is the the most effective way to kind of foster learning and for for students? Yeah. So really, like we definitely uh, base a lot of our initial like assumptions about school, uh, our school and our own experiences. But over time, like we grow to just learn from others. Like you know, education. We don't want to necessarily reinvent the wheel. Like there's like that's what we say as far as that a lot of stuff we do like together is uh, is different and unique and innovative. But like a lot of the stuff like project-based learning has been around for quite some time, right? We didn't invent project-based learning. <laughs> it's it's uh, like there have been several studies that have shown that for it to be effective in students' learning, ultimately in terms of like retention and engagement as students actually, you know, remember the thing that they applied basically. So 
you know, with, uh, with our focus on like hands-on like project-based learning, like that was just based on like education studies and happiness, uh, site more than a few, but regardless, like the students for us, like we really want them to learn really as close, uh, like there's a, there's a principle called like the principle of directness, which is like, if you have like a goal and you want to learn something, the best way to do it is to do something as close as possible to the, uh, to the ultimate goal. So like an example would be like, if you want to be, you know, a programmer or you want to be, you know, a web developer, the best way to learn is not to read a book about, you know, web development. The best way to really learn is to build a website and build a web app and just figure it out and learn along the way. And with, you know, theory to supplement, but for the most part, like that's, that principle is more or less pretty sound and pretty uh, apparent across like everything we do at Sora is that we want students not just sort of thinking about what they may want to do or theoretically, like we want them to be working hands-on like as close as possible to their goals. Right. Which, which ultimately ties into, I mean, not just learning the stuff, but I, I know for you and for Sora, it's really important to help kind of youth kind of really figure out the, their path, right. In, in life. It's not just about learning the skills or the knowledge, but like, what's my place in the world? You know, how do I want to contribute? How am I going to start a career someday or, you know, be an entrepreneur or, what, or whatever. So I'd love you to touch on that as well. Yeah. And that's like a personal, you know, of course there are a lot of, there's a lot of things that are personal to me at Sora, but like really like helping students, helping young people explore and discover themselves and ultimately just, just decide for themselves, like what they want to do next in their lives is pretty important to me. Like at Sora, like all this to say, like as students work on these hands-on projects, as they, you know, work together, get to know each other, build relationships with each other, like you know, everything in our school. Ultimately, it's to help students really find themselves. Like, you know, students may come into Sora, like not everyone who comes into Sora is like, I'm, you know, Superman and I know every single thing I want to do in life and uh, I know exactly how it'll turn out and this is what I want to do. You know, like there's some students that come to Sora, like, actually, I don't really know <laughs> what I want to do at all. You know, I'm 13. <laughs> like, I like math. Like, that's about as uh, specific as it gets. I think if you and, find if think if you find a kid who knows exactly what they want to do in life, um, that's like a <laughs> blue oyster or something. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, exactly. Pretty rare. <laughs> so, like, we really t- like I really find joy in like helping students figure that out. Like, as they sort of work on these projects and really have uh, really sort of have flexibility to decide like what they want to study like if students like oh like i'm super interested in like i don't know environmental conservationism or something like that or like i'm really into like fashion or something and then like we want students to really dive into those areas try it if it you know if it doesn't if it's not a fit like then try something else and if like they try something else and it doesn't work then basically keep uh, working on exploring it until they basically land on something that really sticks and then from there we don't want to just say okay congrats like you found something that you like okay, now you have to take like, in a traditional high school curriculum, now you have to take six other mandated classes and just forget about that thing that you're interested in or the thing right. that you like. And squeeze out so, all, all the time and, and interest you have in that, that one thing because you've got to sp- split it across, you know, five other things that you could really care less about. Exactly. Like we say like, hey, great. You're interested in, I don't know, the physics of sound or something like that. Cool. Like go learn, go build like a speaker. Like go on, go, uh, we want students to really dive deep into their fields of interest because ultimately I think that's where, that's what we really, I think helps students. Like once we help them sort of explore and like find themselves, like we want to get students to a point where like once they graduate SOAR, like they know exactly what they're doing next in their lives. Like they know like, oh, like I, you know, went into SOAR, I knew I liked math and science or, you know, whatever subjects and 
Like I thought I wanted to be like a doctor or something because my dad told me to. But you know, now that I have time to explore projects and work on some really exciting stuff at Sora, I realized that actually perhaps medicine is not for me, but I'm really interested in like advanced math and physics. And I want to go study that in college because I think that'll you know, guide me towards the best path that I've sort of decided myself like after exploring everything in the world around me. Like that's the kind of outcome we want to have. Yeah. And that's, that's so cool, right? I mean, it's, it's when I look at like the, the protests and what I saw yesterday or just, just a lot of things going on in the world, I feel like there's so many people, well, frankly, adults, right? Who are just, just like zombies going through life, not really thinking about, you know, their, their place in the world or what matters to them, just kind of following along, looking for direction. I mean, this is my own bias and how I see things, right? But like, so for me, it's, it's, it's really so essential. I think for, for all our listeners too, right. That are, that are kids, um, find that spark and, and be alive in the world so that we can make that positive difference. It's not just about doing what you love, but, but ultimately about creating the world that we all want to want to live in. So I, I really love your, your focus on that. And I, I see it as a, a very unique thing. I don't see that in a lot of, a lot of other, um, learning platforms and so on, which is more, are often more focused a little bit more on the learning um, and, and passion too, but I love, love what you're doing there. And you, you also have like a counseling and, and someone who kind of like walks journeys along with the, the students, I believe, right? Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I'm pretty sure that most people that went through traditional schools are pretty familiar with, you know, just how counseling normally works, which is, which is to say that, you know, most people's normal counseling experience in like a traditional school is basically like you might see the counselor like once or twice in like your high school career either because you were in trouble or you needed to transfer some files or like some transcripts or something. <laughs> um, or if you talk to the counselor, they just gave you some advice um, that wasn't really applicable because the counselor is servicing like several hundred other students <laughs> and uh, they only have time for just to meet with you for like a little bit. Like that's not really how counseling works at Sora. Like we recognize that having someone just for students, frankly, just to bounce just thoughts and ideas off of just to, you know, help them sort of talk through like their thought processes, whether it's their goals, whether it's like some personal sort of conflicts that they're having, like whether it's just sort of decisions they have to make, like we recognize that having someone there to just guide them through that process is tremendously valuable, which is why that when we first, you know, designed this whole Sora learning model, like the counselor was like a big part of it. Uh, and that's not something that I would say like traditional or not even traditional, but that's not even to say that uh, that's not something that even frankly speaking, most new age like school and like learning platforms and programs, like most of them wouldn't think, oh yeah, the first thing I need is like a counselor. But I think it's you know very valuable and it has been tremendously valuable. Like I would say that uh, you know our school, our current school counselor is definitely one of the most loved uh, faculty members like of our students, like just because she's fantastic. You know, she's helped students work through overall, like she's helped them work on like soft skills, like time management and goal setting and project management, you know, conflict resolution. You know, she's also helped some of our like older students, like figure out what they want to do next. Like once they wow. graduate yeah. or like helping them with their college applications and things of that nature. Yeah. So we're kind of rolling, uh, like mentoring and coaching all in all in one really. So yeah, I, I think it's a really cool innovation. And, and one of the things that's exciting about the education space right now is there is so much innovation going on. So it would surprise me if we start seeing, you know, other, other platforms, other schools kind of embracing this particular aspect of of Sora, as a, I'm sure you've seen some other cool things in other places that you are inviting to to embrace as well. So, 
couple of things that I wanted to ask you as well. So, so they, so doing all this project-based learning and, and, you know, getting direction, they're getting focused, they're, they're developing those other important skills that you don't get in academics. Let's say, you know, one of these students are, you know, they want to go to university. So I know you've got a way of, of helping go from this kind of environment to a more traditional academic environment for post-secondary. Just love you to talk a bit more about how that works with Sora. Sure. Just, but more specifically, like how, what specifically works? Because I think you had a couple of questions baked in there. Oh, sure. So let's say, so I'm a parent, I'm thinking about, yeah, Sora sounds really cool. Uh, you know, I love the fact that my, my son or daughter or both, you know, can get lit, lit up doing things they want to do and develop all these additional skills. But let's say, you know, yeah, they do want to go down a, a track and by engineer or, or something where you need kind of that formal education university, you need that, that designation and, and go through that process. How can I move from Sora to post-secondary? How, how do you facilitate that? So at the end of the day, like our curriculum, like although the sort of the format and the method may be very different, at the end of the day, students still learn all of the same things that they would learn in traditional high school curriculum. Like they still learn all the units of math, English, science, history, and so forth. Like, so when it comes times for, you know, them to graduate and they get their transcript, you know, although it may look very different because we have this whole, you know, new innovative, like mastery-based transcript and we showcase projects and all that, like it still covers, like you'll still see like math, like you'll still see algebra and like English one and uh, things of that nature because they still learn all those same like academic standards, just albeit in a very, very different way. And certainly like we do prepare students that are college bound for college, like our assessment and approach may be non-traditional, uh, but our program is certainly rigorous where it counts and it really pushes students. Like, and we also still prepare them, like, especially you know, for the college bound students, like we prepare them for standardized tests, like the SAT, the ACT. We also prepare them for college by helping them with their college applications. We help you know, them search for the right college for their intended field study. And overall, you know, help them think about their future academic and career paths. And so at, the, uh, at this point, like, although Sora itself is basically a year and a half old, um, we actually have had a couple of students accepted into college already. Uh, can't share some of the news publicly because not all the sort of apples have shaken out of the tree, so to speak. Okay. But uh, it, certainly, uh, certainly, uh, it certainly works for students, and they'll certainly be prepared for college uh, should they choose that path. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. So. I guess the thing I'm curious about, I mean, Sora is completely virtual, you know, for a lot of students these days, they're, they're virtual, they want to be or not. And a lot of times, uh, that virtual learning isn't the funnest thing to be doing. Um, how, how do you guys make the virtual learning stay fun and, and engaging? That's a very good question. Uh, I'll say uh, mainly two things uh, to that. So like one is when students, you know, uh, students at Sora, like when they, uh, when they're, when they're learning, when they're working on their projects, they're participating in those learning expeditions that I mentioned, like these aren't, you know, sort of traditional, I'll say online school experiences that most people may be imagining because most people, especially like not even in a traditional, like virtual school sense, but most people's experience right now with distance learning, you know, online school, you know, whatever term they want to call it, like at, they're having at their various schools right now because of the pandemic. Most of their experiences are just basically super large Zoom classes um, where the teacher just talks and then everyone just kind of tunes out because <laughs> unfortunately, that's just uh, that's just the situation. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can, but, you know, they're, they're not. This is a totally new realm for, yeah. for traditional school. So, so what, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what are you bringing out that, I mean, obviously the, the topics are, are, are more engaging, but in terms of the actual, like, I guess, medium, um, how, how, do you, how do you make uh, that more, more exciting? Sure. 
So with uh, with our learning expeditions, which are probably the closest thing to like sort of classes that we have at Sora. Like, so first of all, like this, uh, the learning expeditions that we have, which students sign up for basically every month, once, uh, you know, once a month, they sign up for these month long learning expeditions. Like they, uh, once they sign up for them, they participate, they happen at select times during the week. And I would say the uh, ped- uh, pedagogy is not uh, a lecture, you know, a traditional lecture, like they're much more you know, active than that. Like it could be a Socratic discussion. It could be, you know, working on projects, it could be a lab, it could be, you know, literally anything else, but just, uh, you know, passive uh, listening to a lecture. And so the learning expeditions are also capped um, at a certain number of students, about roughly 10 to 12 students, just to keep engagement high, because, you know, after a certain number, like engagement just breaks down sharply. And so for us, we found that number to be roughly 10 to 12 students. So that's generally uh, how we uh, break that down. So they're doing something like in sort of the, uh, the learning expedition with other students and the faculty member. And they're also doing it with a small enough number that they also get to you know, actually interact with each other as opposed to just being like one of like many voices on like a Zoom call. So most of it happens over Zoom, though we also use like other tools and stuff like Scale Education app or something like that. Like we also use other tools to augment, you know, depending on like what the student's doing, like and what the learning expedition entails. Maybe just pull it, can you pull out a couple examples, maybe some recent ones or, you know, ones that can kind of paint a picture of, of what you're describing? Yeah, sure. So, for example, like if, um, if students are working on, uh, for example, we had a learning expedition called like creative writing. And uh, that one's probably pretty self explanatory, but as you might imagine, students are working on pieces that, um, of creative writing. You know, it could be like a short story, it could be some type of other thing, like a, po- uh, like a poem. Um, it could be, you know, an excerpt from like a larger novel that a student's working on. Regardless, students are, you know, working on these, uh, on their various pieces for the creative writing learning expedition. And during the process, when they meet, um, during the, uh, during the week, you know, they'll bring all their pieces, you know, they'll, um, everyone will basically work together to give feedback to each other one-on-one. Um, and then the faculty will also, uh, faculty member, like our humanities learning expert will also jump in to provide feedback as well. And then they'll also just talk in general, like, and then they, they basically come back together, like after a meeting with each other one-on-one to basically go over like all the feedback they got and to sort of share lessons along um, amongst each other of like what's applicable to everyone and like what are some ideas for other people to sort of leapfrog off of in their next sort of iteration on their pieces. So as opposed to like some 45 minute like Zoom call where the, like the teacher, the normal teacher goes and here's some stuff about creative writing, you know, and they just go through some slides. <laughs> right. Yeah. So kind of uh, kind of shared ownership of the, of the time and people coming there, bringing their contributions and helping each other. And like you said, kind of taking more responsibility for their, their learning in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, given what's happened, you know, recently, but just, just in general, right. There's just a lot of turmoil and unrest happening in the world right now with the pen, you know, the pandemic, which continues to keep rolling along. Um, no signs of that abating yet. You know, we got the riots that happened in the protests in Washington DC yesterday over, you know, the transfer of power and whatnot. And there's been the focus on black lives matter over the last year and, and racism, just a lot of a lot of deep, heavy stuff. That's you know, I think for for young people, it's a lot to try to process, especially when you know, in many ways, we're we're a lot more isolated than we, than we normally are. So, just curious, you know, how how sort of helping young people navigate and process these these complex issues? Yeah, like for example, like when the uh, when the Black uh, Lives Matter like protests first broke out, like at scale. Like that was a big topic conversation around the school, right? Like it's, it's on the news, like it affects students personally, like the faculty were talking about it. 
and for uh, for us, like you know, not not say like a traditional school where we basically go, okay, like it's happening, but keep on going up, you know, keep on going about your day, <laughs> uh, you know, business as usual. For us, like we decided that that was actually a really good sort of uh, moment to basically talk about these issues and to uh, and to learn. And because you know, some like there's varying degrees of understanding and sort of uh, sort of perception of these issues, as you might imagine, like not even just among students, but people in general, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, like that was organizing like a learning expedition just centered around like black lives matter, like the movement, like the history and ultimately like what, uh, what led to these issues that are bubbling up today in our society. Like we would bring in like members of the faculty, we'd bring in other people that they know that, uh, that could bring in to speak on the issue to sort of share their knowledge with our students. Uh, we had students have some pretty heavy discussions, you know, for like, you know, a group of like 14 year olds uh, to talk about uh, these issues. But like, in reality, like they're, they're certainly able to, uh, they're certainly able to, I think a traditional learning environment, like would say like, oh, like they're not ready to, but they certainly are. And we found that our students are like ready to sort of discuss these issues and like, you know, let's say is tackle some pretty hard like topics, like don't have clear answers. And I think it was ultimately a very educational for our students like as they learned about like the issues going on, like right now, for example, it like, right. Like the whole, uh, the whole riots, like at the, ca- uh, the capital in the U S like, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure our faculty and students are already working on something similar to, as to what they did um, back in the summer. Um, and it's still in development. I don't know exactly what the format will be yet, but you know, certainly like talking about these issues, like it comes up pretty often. Like for example, like the learning expeditions I mentioned, like they create created basically every single month. And so oftentimes I find that the learning expeditions, like some of them will be like creative writing, but then some of them may also be much more topical. And that's kind of like the beauty of like sort of, you know, our system as we like create these new learning expeditions. And as we like have students work on projects is that they can often reflect what's going on. Like I remember when the pandemic first broke out, we had like one or two students start working on uh, some uh, medicine related, healthcare related projects, <laughs> like it happens, you know, and uh, it's something we encourage. Sparking the entrepreneur in them, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. And I like what you say too, that, you know, we can so easily underestimate what are, what youth are, are capable of. And just by creating the, a safe space and a place to explore, you know, students can start to, to journey through that with, with the right supports. Um, and yeah, they're, they're capable of much more than we often give them the ability to do. So um, kudos to you guys. So, um, you know, a few more specific questions too. So, you know, right now I know for a lot of kids, especially, you know, who go to traditional school, the social side is, is a, a really big attractor, you know, because you get to see kids in person and how does, how does sort of help support that side of, you know, uh, youth and, and the needs just to, just to be social. Yeah. I don't think I have to go into depth as to how traditional, you know, distance learning and virtual schooling is not social. <laughs> I think that's probably a, you know, implicitly understood amongst everyone. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. For all of us who've been in yeah. the Zoomiverse for a year now. Yeah. So, like for us, like social was a big, big, big part of like what we designed Sora to be. Like especially when we were sort of initially doing our research and coming up with the whole learning model. Because ultimately, like learning, like education is not just you know a collection of knowledge and learning processes. Like it's not like, frankly speaking, even like the most enjoyable part about traditional school, most people is just the social aspect. It's just the relationships, the friends, the network, and ultimately that you built with others. 
And so our whole like online community of students is incredibly social and collaborative and much more so than uh, any other virtual high school in existence. Just to give you, paint a picture, like students at Sora see each other multiple times per day and have a pretty active student life. Um, whether it's like participating in like house competitions or joining student run clubs. Oh yeah, that's something I didn't mention earlier as well. At Sora, students are part of uh, you know, Harry Potter-esque houses. Um, you know, that, and each of these houses, of course, have their own sort of personality and vibe. You know, like, you know, some, like one house might be like super laid back. One house might be super weird. Uh, you know, one house might be, you know, pretty chill. Like, so it's, it, it kind of ra- ranges the gamut, of course, uh, depending on like the collection of students within the house. And they do lots of stuff together. Like they meet for stand up in the morning to sort of keep each other accountable and talk about their projects. You know, they meet at checkpoint just to basically talk about what they did do during the day, but also to, you know, relax, catch up, just talk. Mm-hmm. Like they also participate, like I said, in these little house competitions, you know, like a Jeopardy game or like house points where they compete to eat with each other on like the various projects that everyone's completing. And also, like aside from houses, students have clubs in the afternoon that they uh, that they all run, and it can range, right? It could be like a movie club or like a book club or a cooking club, like just depending on what students like want to do. Like also like we have like an online sort of chat platform, like discord, like which probably a lot of, uh, well, I'd say a lot more kids are familiar with that one than parents, but uh, a lot of students are pretty familiar with that allows them to really virtually feel the presence of others in the school. And it's very, very, very active with a student conversation at all hours of the day. Um, and overall, like at Sora, like aside from just the student student interaction, which is still important, mind you, right? Like students at SOAR really do get to know their teachers and counselors very well. Like, I think a lot of people misconstrue virtual schooling as like not being able to get to know others very well and not being able to build relationships. I would hazard to say that uh, a lot of them are just not doing it very well. And it's definitely very possible. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, a lot, a lot of different ways to, to build those connections. Just curious, uh, do you guys use a sorting hat ceremony when you have new students come on board? <laughs> figure which house we did in. have a sorting hat ceremony. Oh, that's um, awesome. Come, uh, come the new semester uh, to sort people in their various houses. Uh, <laughs> so yes, we did. That's hilarious. I love that. I'm a huge Potter fan. So yeah, so a lot of different ways. Yeah, it, it, just touch on the, the student clubs. Yeah, so those are, those are ones that the students decide they want to run and, and a student runs it themselves, right? So there's also an opportunity to direct and lead that. And it's, it's bringing together, you know, other students who have a similar interest in a topic and, um, you know, getting to know, you know, other, other kids who, who like the same things and build friendships that way. So awesome. How much does Sora cost? Or so let's say, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited. I want to apply. It sounds great. And by the way, can, can, can people apply now? Is there a certain time of year when people can apply or how does that work? Yeah. So Sora like really uh, follows like a rolling admissions model. So, so students can apply and enroll at SOAR really at any point in the year. Uh, we have students start basically at the beginning of every month now. So like if you, for example, apply right now, you could potentially start in February. Or you know, if you're more on a traditional calendar, we also have students applying and enrolling for like the fall or like a summer start date. So really at any point in the year, if you're interested in SOAR, like all you have to do is just visit our website and uh, learn about our missions process and apply. As far as like how much SOAR costs, SOAR tuition uh, is really uh, is really based on our range depending on what your family is able to afford through like a what we call like our flexible tuition program. So the top end of that range might be eight hundred dollars per month, um, but the lowest end of the range might be three hundred dollars per month. And there's also other like financial assistance opportunities we have for families um, that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford Sora for them to explore, so that we can really accept students from all types of backgrounds and sort of situations. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's uh, which I think is is really uh, unique as well. Just the the fact that you have this this range of of um, tuition based on on income makes that super more accessible. And I, I'd say for for um, for parents out there too, to you know, when you think about you know paying for school, which might seem kind of strange unless you've done private school and whatnot. You know, just think about what gets invested in you know sports and other curriculars and activities, and, and think about you know some of that funds going towards something like Sora. So. And as well, there's, there's different types of um, enrollments. Is that is that right? I mean, there was back when I first was looking at Sora a while ago. Yeah. So we have both full-time and part-time programs. Like the, uh, what I just cited was our full-time programs. We also have part-time programs like that are mostly bifurcated on like around the subjects. Since generally speaking, that sort of divides students up based on like the learning experts that they're meeting with, basically. So we might have a part-time STEM program or a part-time humanities program that students can enroll in. And we have some students enrolled in it as well. Yeah. So again, for, for parents out there, if, if they're already, you know, if they're in traditional school and whatnot, and they're kind of feeling like maybe they'd like to experiment or, or, or augment, because a lot of times there's a lot of dead time, then doing something part-time with uh, SOAR could certainly, you know, be an option. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely have families. I would say like most families that take advantage of our part-time programs ultimately transition into full-time with Sora anyways at the end of the day. So it's uh, definitely something that uh, is attractive to a lot of families that, for example, just want to try out Sora initially. And then eventually they decide, actually, wait, like my student really loves this. Like, you know, like maybe I'll just do this full-time instead. Right. And I guess another good point, too, which just came to mind is it's not like a necessarily a year long commitment, at least not at first. Right. Is it, is, is it just like a month to month or can you explain that? Sure. Uh, regarding like programs in general or something specific? Well, in terms of like, a, like financial commitment to, to signing up to Sora. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So as far as like signing up for, uh, for Sora and like enrolling uh, your student at our school. So technically speaking, the commitments are annual, but it's our school policy that you know, although the contracts themselves may be technically annual and like there's certainly monthly commitments, like if SOAR is not working for your student for whatever reason or you need to exit or, you know, for whatever reason, like we don't contractually obligate families to continue paying for the whole year. Like we just want to do what's best for families. And so we made a very sort of uh, customer friendly policy so that, you know, we've even like returned money, uh, frankly, to some families that like we felt like we didn't do justice by. So like we, we want ultimately to do what's best for students and their families. Awesome. So, I mean, through all this whole, this whole endeavor, um, what's, what's one that's really uh, surprised and, and delighted you that maybe you didn't expect to have happen once you birthed Sora? That's a good question. Something unexpected or delightful or both? Just something unexpected. Something you, you, wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have discovered or known until... Ahead of time, but now that Sora has unrolled and, and gone the way it has, you know what's what's something that you're. I, really... I didn't anticipate how much students would love helping decide the direction of the school, like helping run, not run the school, but like kind of run the school. That's uh, the whole like idea around Sora is that students are engaged in their learning, that they have agency and responsibility, right, and that they're sort of tied to the direction of like the program because they're deciding what the program looks like for themselves, like. So just to give you uh, to give you the example, like back in October of, oh my, uh, 2019, yeah, 2019, so about like more than a year ago at this point, like we uh, had a lot of sort of updates we wanted to, uh, wanted to bring to the program since the program itself was like a month and a half old at that point. And so we wanted to, of course, share that with the students as opposed to just dropping in their laps, like come the next week of school. 
so we had uh, had this idea that we meet on Friday and just sort of discuss, basically discuss the roadmap um, that we had for the school and the direction of the program. And so we had the meeting, you know, we shared students, Hey, like, here's some slides, like basically here's what we've got planned based on the problems and sort of the areas of improvement we see in the school. And here's where we can take them. And here's the ideas that we have. Like, what do you think? So the students gave their feedback, you know, they, they even suggested some ideas that we later implemented. Like it could be, it was, it was by anything from like the direction of the program to scheduling, like to when things happen during the day. Like it was a lot of, there's a lot of granular stuff. And so we implemented the changes and we also had some more ideas. So the next week we met and then they did it again. And we realized actually, what if we just kept doing this every single week where students are meeting and just giving ideas and just giving feedback on just the school and like the, our whole roadmap. And so we uh, started just calling it the roadmap meeting. And then students suggested like, why don't we just make it like a student club? Although it's definitely a very unusual student club. So then we started calling it roadmap club. And so now we just meet like every single Friday uh, in the afternoon to just go over basically our plans for the school and like areas of improvement. It's, uh, it's gotten a lot more organized, I would say since sure. the beginning days, <laughs> like everything else. But it's a, yeah, of course. But it's a totally open forum where students can drop in. We don't we don't make anyone attend, but we might have like a fourth or a third of the student population in roadmap me- in the roadmap club meeting. That's, um, just that's, to, that's pretty impressive. Know, some people some people are just listening, right? You know, uh, you know, a, a working democracy or an engaged like citizenship. Like, not every single person like you know contributes or attends like every single time or whatever. But like, some people are just glad. It's there as an opportunity if they ever wanted to bring something. And then of course, some people are very active and like actively like stoking and like uh, pushing ideas along and stuff. And that's something I think is like really, really cool that I frankly was not expecting like when Sora first started, but now it's kind of like one of the hallmarks of our school. And I'm, and I'm pretty fine with that. Yeah. And certainly as, as a startup, getting that kind of input and feedback from your, your customer base, I mean, what could be better, right? Um, that's, that's fantastic. And I think also, oh, yeah, totally. Wow, we even have a parent version now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, awesome. You know, and I think also just like what a great metric when it when you when you want to measure in terms of you know student engagement and involvement that you know they're they're taking their time and, and their energy and their thoughts and contributing that towards something that's going to directly impact them and the future of their um, educational experience. I think that's that's a fantastic metric to um, to be proud of. So absolutely. It's been super great to, to reconnect with you again. Um, where, where, can, where can people find out more about, about Sora and uh, explore uh, uh, signing up? Sure. I mean, if you're a parent and you're interested in this kind of unique education for your student um, for high school, grades 9 through 12, all you have to do is visit our website, you know, www.soraschools.com, and uh, you can find out all about us there. Awesome. And I know you also have like a... And kind of like drop in and attend uh, a day at Sora kind of thing too. So there's all kinds of ways to um, you know get to yeah. There's lots of ways them. you could chat with our admissions team. You could drop in on one of our uh, open house events. Like there's lots of uh, different opportunities we allow students just see through a window of to you know what Sora's like. Awesome. All right, Indra. Uh, thanks again, and all the best with you and the rest of your team at Sora. Thank you. Thank you.